Greetings, 12s and members of the Dog Pound. Welcome to the latest installment of Crossover Wednesday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks. Thrilled to be teaming up with Jeff Lloyd of Locked On Browns to discuss everything you need to know heading into Sunday's Week 6 contest in Cleveland. Looking forward to breaking down this matchup, Jeff. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, the Browns are in the midst of a, a really, really difficult uh, first half of their schedule here um, you know, when you're going to face the entire uh, NFC West. Um, and obviously, I don't know if anybody was you know, expecting San Francisco to be off to a 4-0 start. It, it's, it, it's been tough sledding this far, but, um, you know, I, I think they really need to get home. Um, this slate of primetime games they've been playing has been a little bit difficult as far as, you know, uncharted waters, so to speak, for the Browns and how to handle things time-wise, practice-wise. Um, but they're looking forward to get home, and obviously then they'll go ahead and start their bye week after Sunday. I wouldn't, and I'll say this right now, for people that are putting too much stock in Monday night, I mean, it, it could be the sign of some more bad things to come, but I've also seen teams have games like that and then the next week do the opposite. So uh, everything changes week to week in the NFL. Another reason to call it not for long league. Things change quickly. <laughs> We're going to start off by looking at Cleveland's offense against Seattle's defense. We'll flip the script in the second quarter, looking at Seattle's offense against Cleveland's defense, and then some keys of the game and some predictions in our final quarter. Jeff, the Browns have a ton of talent at the skill positions offensively. How much can the struggles they've endured so far be chalked up to poor line play? How much of it's been scheme-related or coaching? And how much is it simply on Baker Mayfield? It's certainly a combination of the three. Um, they're trying to facet in everything because, um, you know, look, Odell can do everything. All right, so let's try to have Odell do everything. Okay, well, Jarvis is good at the, this. Let's do this. They get so kind of caught up early with what they're trying to do, they forget about the fact that usually when they run the ball and they're running successfully, it usually opens up a lot of things for them. So they get caught behind in that. The offensive line play it against, you know, San Francisco, look, they have an elite defensive line. Uh, they're going to cause everybody some issues that they play. So it definitely looked magnified on Monday night. Uh, the tackles aren't doing the greatest of job. Eric Cush is certainly uh, a downgrade from Kevin Zeitler. But they are still doing enough. Um, you know, Monday night, it's just it's four beasts, four athletic freaks, and they had no way to handle it. Got down early. Everybody knew they were going to pass, and it was over from there. Um, the scheme, look, you know, Freddie wants to run all this 12 personnel. That's where he feels his offense is best. Issue, though, is with 12 personnel, you're playing two tight ends. I'm, you know, of all the skill they have, they really should be in 10 personnel because the tight ends are not part of their best personnel groupings. So it's trying to do what works best as opposed to what is your best, your most talent on the field. And they're having issues with that. Obviously, Munkin's office involves long developing pass plays, which isn't working if your pass, uh, if your offensive line and your pass pro isn't top notch. And Baker himself, um, he's kind of hooked into one read because he had a lot of success with it last year. He needs to get back to essentially what we say, you know, walks and singles. You're not going to get 20 to 30 yards on every play. Um, get yourself to second and fourth. Get yourself to third and two. Just keep making positives, and then the big plays will open up. Yeah, last year they had a lot of success with that when Kitchens took over as the head coach. Uh, interim coach midway through the season a lot of the quick passing game and it seems like this year from the couple games I've been able to watch that they're really trying to force the issue with long developing deeper routes and Mayfield's trying to hit a home run regularly and 
for one thing, the offensive line is not going to allow that to happen much of the time. And two, he's struggled making the right reads in those type of plays. So I look at this game, the Seahawks pass rush has, has not been as good as what I anticipated that it was going to be, at least up to this point. Uh, but some of it can be chalked up to the fact that Clowney and Ziggy Anza, those two guys, didn't have training camp or the preseason for different reasons, obviously, but Clowney came in week one, was trying to learn the defense on a, on the fly. Ziggy Anza was coming off shoulder surgery. He didn't even play the first two weeks. So those two guys are still figuring things out, and they both look like they're really getting close to having a breakout game. I don't know if that's going to be coming up here on Sunday or not, but certainly watching the way the 49ers line was able to get pressure, and, and they've got a ton of talent, like you mentioned, across the board there with, with Buckner and Bosa and D Ford and all those guys that they've got. They've got a really good pass rush, but the Seahawks have plenty of guys that can create havoc. Quentin Jefferson, the interior, has been their best pass rusher so far this year. Seven quarterback hits, a couple of sacks. He can rush from uh, three-tech and defensive end as well. So, I mean, they've got some really solid pass rushers. They just haven't been able to consistently put it together. First half against the Rams, they looked great. They were getting to Jared Goff consistently. Second half they were not able to do much. They were ghosts, and that's been the issue, inconsistency. I don't know what we're going to see this weekend, but if the Browns' offensive line doesn't ratchet things up a little bit, certainly Clowney, Anza, Puna Ford, Quentin Jefferson, those guys are all capable of creating pressure. Rasheem Green's had a really nice second season so far, so I look at that as an area the Seahawks can certainly exploit the Cleveland Browns in this game if they're able to get some pass pass pressure and get home against Baker Mayfield. And as I mentioned, Jeff, this is a talented group on offense for the Browns that's headlined by Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry. They are missing David and Joku. Maybe that goes what you're saying with having two, uh, two tight ends in the field. You don't even have your best mm-hmm. one right now. Uh, so maybe switch up how you're using your personnel a little bit. That's a big loss for the passing game. The Seahawks secondary has been good. Man, that might not even be the right word. They've been decent. Not great this year. How do you see not the great. Browns the- trying to attack the back half of that defense. This is not the Legion of Boom anymore. I was actually, I had that in my notes. What was life like after the Legion of Boom? And you can get that through in a second. Um, the question is going to be, is Rashard Higgins? And it's weird to say, you know, your third or your fourth receiver is, you know, important. But Rashard Higgins is. Um, Baker has his best rapport with him. We thought we were going to get him back Monday night. Apparently after, you know, three straight days of practice, then he was a little bit sore. So hopefully my guess is maybe they'll lighten the practice load this week so they can get Rashard Higgins back. Uh, Antonio Callaway returned from his suspension on Monday night, um, caused two interceptions, one by running the wrong route, um, the other one by knocking the ball up into the air. So he caused both those interceptions, not to mention not lining up uh, you know, where he's supposed to. Also uh, missing his assignment on an Odell Beckham Jr. reverse. And subsequently after 20 snaps got himself benched. They need Rashard Higgins back. He's a pro He's great on the scramble drill with Baker Mayfield. I think, and I keep saying this, there's going to be the week where the Browns start taking some shots deep. Um, San Francisco still playing that style of big corners. Um, I go back to, I think it was Odell's rookie year. He had a really, really nice day against Richard, Richard Sherman as a rookie. I think it was like 7 for 108 or something of like that. Those aren't the guys, you know, the problems that give the guys that give Odell fits are the guys who can kind of run with him. Those big, long guys, he's quick enough off the line to beat them. You're gonna, and the thing is, you got to take some shots deep if you want to open up the underneath or the 15 or the 10 to 15 yard routes. They've got to. They really, they're not taking any shots deep, and they need 
to do that in order to have Baker to have everywhere in front of him to throw the ball to. Um, the other thing is, is um, you know, Nick Chubb is trending towards a full three down back. He's their best pass blocker. He's their best runner. Uh, you know, he's probably equal as far as a receiver with the other guys. He needs to get as many reps as possible. And look, if he needs a break, let it be on first and 10. Don't let it be in third and six. And you got a linebacker blitzing Dontrell Hilliard, who's maybe 190 pounds. It's, they just got to make better use of Nick Chubb. And they got to start loosening up this secondary by taking some deep shots, even if you don't hit him. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that. I, I, like I said, it seems like they've been trying to get those deep routes going, but they haven't really been able to take those shots for a variety of different reasons. The Seahawks take pride in not giving up those explosives, and they actually have done pretty well this season through five games, not giving up plays over the top. The first game against the Bengals, they had a couple plays that ended up just being breakdowns. They were in the right position. They either didn't tackle or they missed time to jump on what was ultimately a Hail Mary. And since then, they've been limiting those pass plays, but this is a unit that has really struggled with tackling after the catch, at least the last couple games. And I love that you mentioned Nick Chubb here because I do think that he is a three down back in this league. He can do a little bit of everything. And seeing how the Seahawks have struggled with Alvin Kamara and David Johnson, and even last week, Todd Gurley had a few plays out of the backfield. They have really struggled to tackle running backs when they catch the football in the passing game. And that's been an issue. And I don't think it necessarily has even been how much they've been playing base defense. They've kind of went backwards a little bit as far as going against trends, playing a lot of 4-3. Michael Kendricks is their third linebacker, and they feel they are at their best with all three of those guys out there. It's their best 11, and they've had a lot of success with that. But for whatever reason, when those linebackers are ending up in space against running backs like uh, Kamara, Nick Chubb, players like that. They're having a hard time getting them to the ground. That's led to some big plays, a couple of touchdowns. Uh, David Johnson had almost 100 yards receiving a few weeks ago. That was really the only issue they had on defense in that football game, aside from Kyler Murray occasionally extending plays with his legs. But uh, I look at this particular game, and I'm thinking if the Browns have been watching film closely, that should be something they should be trying to do. If they can get those quick passes out there to their guys like Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., I know he's a deep threat, but the ability to create yards after the catch, that's been a real problem for this Seahawks defense. And that also mitigates their pass rush. If you want to avoid Jadevian Clowney and Ziggy Anza having that that breakout football game, get the football out of your hands fairly quick and don't let them uh, have any opportunities to get back there and chase after you. Then that forces the Seahawks to try to mix in more blitzes and then you can take advantage of that. So that's something that certainly concerns me. I do think the Seahawks may play a little bit more nickel like they did last week, maybe a little more Jamar Taylor out there mix in some slot corner blitzes. You guys are familiar with Taylor. He's actually done fairly well for us uh, in the couple games that we've played in there at the nickel position, just not playing a ton of snaps. Uh, but certainly that running back issue is something that every single game I've been talking about because the Seahawks have not been able to figure out in the past. It's been tight ends. They're doing okay against tight ends this year. It's been running backs after the catch that they've had real issues trying to bring them down. So that's certainly a matchup that I'm going to be watching. How does Seattle handle Chubb? And do the Browns use him in the passing game like they should? You mentioned how they need to get him out there as a three-down back. Give him the snaps. They're going to need him this week against Seattle's defense. When we return, Jeff and I will switch gears looking at Russell Wilson and the Seahawks offense versus Miles Garrett and the Browns defense. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Locked On Podcast Crossover Wednesday. 
Welcome back to the latest installment of Crossover Wednesday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks, thrilled to be joined by Jeff Lloyd of Locked On Browns. Jeff, we discussed a few key topics for when the Browns are on offense. Now we're going to flip the script a little bit here. Cleveland, again, very talented on the defensive side of the football. They have had a few injuries that have hit them over the past few weeks. A lot of high draft choices, though, particularly Miles Garrett. That's the guy that freaks me out going into this game. Seattle's offensive line was supposed to be a strength this year. And, and you know what? I bought the hype. But this group has been disappointing and underwhelming uh, up to this point. How much do you think Garrett is licking his lips about the thoughts of potentially rushing against Jermaine Effetti? And heck, Dwayne Brown has not looked like the Dwayne Brown of last year at 34 years of age. And who else up front could make an impact in the pass rush on Sunday? Uh, That's actually funny the way you're phrasing it because, you know, I was looking through everything and, and Russ is just playing out of his mind right now. And then going through it and then watching some tape earlier today, it was like, wow, well, the only thing that's really holding him back from even bigger numbers is the commitment to the run and the pass pro. Um, but he's been, you know, he's been fabulous. Um, look, Miles, he, there, it's weird. He has monster games, and then there's kind of quiet games. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean the Browns are going to win or going to lose. Um, obviously, relatively quiet, you know, Monday night against the San Francisco 49ers. Um, no, these aren't really good tackles for Seattle. Um, these are the guys that Miles will usually eat against. He, his first step and just the way he can turn a corner and bend is ridiculous. They've done a nice job this year, though, of moving around a little bit. He'll play either side at end. Um, They've used him inside over guards. If they think there's a guard who's just inferior, why don't you go ahead and make things really confusing for the offense when they come to the line? Because there's Miles Garrett, you know, lining up inside. All of a sudden, now there's going to be some checks on the O line. Heck, you might have bail. You might bail out of the play. The play you have called and go to something different. Uh, the thing this year is though he's got help. He's got friends. Larry Ogunjobi just can see one of the more quieter names in the NFL. He's really solid player, interior play. Yes, plays well against the run and the pass, which you, you always love from an interior guy. Sheldon Richardson, obviously, there's got a lot of guys here back and forth because Kendrick's obviously got a cup of coffee with the Browns last summer. Um, so, you know, Sheldon Richardson, obviously, he's he's done well. I don't think he's contributed rushing the passer yet the way the Browns were hoping, but he's played well in the run game to this far. Uh, this far. Olivier Vernon, it's the weirdest thing. Olivier Vernon, you go every week and you sit down and you look at PFF scores and he grades really well. And then you go and you look at his stats and you're like, hmm, there's not much there. He's just a technical player. You know, he does his assignment. I'm not saying he's worthy of, you know, stats and more. He is, and, and they'll come. But, you know, I just remember as a player, those types of guys, it's just, wow, it didn't seem like you had much of an impact, but yet the coaches are saying you had the best game out of anybody in here. Um, just goes to show you that, you know, doing your assignment <laughs> is sometimes, uh, you know, appreciated. Uh, Chris Smith, one of the reserve DNs, Chris Smith isn't really doing much on the field right now, and it's the worst story, story in the world. As he lost his fiance a couple of weeks ago, she got hit by a car and killed, uh, you know, about a month after delivering their child. So, I mean, the fact that he's even out there is amazing, but it's, you know, I mean, he's not contributing much. And obviously it's understandable. The guy's whole world is, you know, a, a complete 180 right now. It's weird to even say Chad Thomas is kind of finding his way to doing some things. This is a guy we had dogged from the day they had drafted him. He, he didn't do anything as a rookie. He's contributing in the running game. He actually had a sack Monday night. Granted, the quarterback kind of ran into his lap. But he's showing well, and he's playing more in run situations, and he's playing in the goal line. They're getting something out of a third-round pick that they thought was looked like it was just going to be an absolute waste. Biggest mystery here is, is when are we ever going to see Gennard Avery again? This guy had a really, really nice rookie year, was you know, uh, rushing well as an edge. He's suited up for one game, barely took any snaps. The story is the staff asked him to put on a little more weight. He's six feet, he was 6 feet 255 when he got here. He was a linebacker who could play edge. 
NBA putting weight on him, the only thing he was going to do is slow it down. And now they're not thrilled because he's not moving around as well as he was last year at 255 when they asked him to probably get closer to 265, 270. Um, so kind of wasting a second year out of a really talented player. Uh, but those are your main six in the wild card is, you know, whether or not they decide Gerard Avery is thin enough or quick enough to play. That was somebody that I had highlighted on my list here because I remember that Avery did some really nice things last season, but I'm glad that you uh, informed me on that because I had not seen anything about the weight issue. And how many times do you see that in the NFL? Teams tell these guys that are tweeners, hey, pack some weight on. And, and really yep. one of the best attributes that that player brings to the table is speed off the edge, athleticism, and then suddenly they don't have quite the same step with that extra he was weight. And then they get a, he then was... they got a reverse course next year. Like, you watch. They'll be like, we need yep. you to get down to 255 and like you said it's just ultimately wasting a year there are some players you can put weight on uh if it's a guy that's more of a power rusher then absolutely that plays into their hands if it's a guy that was more of an edge guy speedy uh, i'd rather have him at 255 pounds and really be able to rely on that athleticism i guess it just depends on the player that seems to me like kind of a a questionable route to go with somebody like that but i'm concerned i will admit i'm concerned about vernon in this game because you mentioned that the production might not be there it sounds similar to what the seahawks are are seeing right now from jadevian Clowney. he's getting really good grades week in week out from pro football focus and again i don't always agree with the grades that they come out with there's been plenty of players that have gotten low grades i'm like uh were you watching the same game i was and vice versa but uh looking at vernon he's a guy like you said he's assignment sound uh, he can get to the quarterback in a number of different ways maybe that hasn't happened yet this year uh, but i think him going against a fetty or even brown that creates some issues for the seahawks every week you have to wonder who are the edge rushers and are they going to be able to take advantage of the tackle Seattle has? And Dwayne Brown's been really good for the most part since they got him. He has been dealing with a biceps injury, so maybe that's impacting his play right now. He just he hasn't looked as sharp as he did last year, being a second-team All-Pro. He, he has not looked that sharp this season through five games. It's still early. A lot of times offensive lines don't really gel, especially with the way the preseason and training camp are now. Don't really gel until they get to week six, week seven of the season. That's just the way things have changed. So the Seahawks are hoping it was like last year and that line really shores things up. If they're able to do that, then as you mentioned, Russell Wilson, it hasn't really mattered who he has played this year, what type of defense that has come after him. The Pittsburgh game, the Steelers get four sacks against him really quick in the game and you're thinking, oh boy, it's going to be a long afternoon. And next thing you know, Russell Wilson just putting the offense on his shoulders and they hit, uh, rally off three straight touchdown drives in the second half. And that's just been what he's been doing. Uh, teams have been trying to get pressure on him, and he just, I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he gets out of some of the sacks that he has. There's got to be eyes in the back of his head, maybe on the sides of his head too. He just has this innate sense of where the pass rush is coming, regardless of what direction is coming from. And he just, he slips out of tackles. And then his ability to throw on the run, off platform, he's always been good in that area, but he has made it an art form this year. So uh, obviously the Browns, I think they're going to be really looking. Can we keep him in the pocket somehow and, and prevent him from extending plays? And then you also have to prevent him from stepping up in the pocket too. I mean, it's just an extremely difficult matchup to deal with, even with their offensive line being uh, somewhat questionable. They're able to get away with it much of the time just because of how darn good Russell Wilson is at at extending plays, making broken plays turn into long uh, completions or scrambles, just incredible things 
that he's capable of doing, and certainly the Browns are going to have to be prepared for that. That's a different animal than you're going to face most weeks. The Browns struggled stopping the run on Monday night, and I think struggles may be putting it lightly, whether it was a running back, (laughs) receiver, hell, even a tight end. George Kittle had that huge run, and I think George Kittle's a great player, but whoa, you're you're running a a sweep, a fly sweep with your tight end and picking up big yardage. Uh, It was just a tough night. Do you see this just as a one-night aberration or going against the league's arguably most run-oriented offense? They've got Chris Carson going now, back-to-back 100-yard games. Is this going to be a major problem on Sunday? I'm not, I'm not thinking it is. Um, they usually defend the run better at home. Um, I think Baltimore than San Francisco two weeks in a row wasn't good. Um, you know, Baltimore obviously with Lamar Jackson, you know, there's a lot of you're not really sure. You know, you know the run's coming, but you're not exactly sure what from what angle. This is kind of what San Francisco was doing. Obviously, all the motions. You talked about the fact Goodwin had carries. Kittle had carries. It's almost kind of like the, there's so much going on, and then the ball's being run. It's almost kind of like you're a little bit drunk because there's so much going on pre-snap, and then all of a sudden, here's Matt Breida coming at you at 22 miles an hour. Uh, I, I think they'll be better this week. Uh, you know, Joe Schobert is a really, really good middle linebacker. He's not really a middle linebacker, though. Um, so the one phase he does have sometimes is he has some missteps in the run game. Uh, Mac Wilson you know, he, it's coming at Mac Wilson right now at 5 million miles an hour. It, it'll start to slow down from the kid. But, I mean, you know, just because you went to Alabama shows you Alabama's a long, long ways away from the NFL. Um, if they maybe play Chad Thomas a little more, and this is going to be interesting because obviously Seattle, a strong commitment to the run. Chad Thomas is probably their heaviest defensive end. Um, he plays the run pretty well. You maybe see him get some more early down. Uh, obviously, uh, reps and opportunities where maybe Vernon or Miles could be saved for second and long and third down situations. That may be another thing you want to do. Uh, also, getting your entire secondary might be uh, a nicer here. They've now got three straight games without their starting corners, which not, you know, the, the corners that are starting now are TJ Carey and Terrence Mitchell. They're better tacklers. But the problem is, is it's not the guys they want on the field, you know, Denzel Ward, yes, they've been playing some zone with him, but there's times where they just like to have him say, all right, there's the receiver. Have your day with them. They haven't been able to do things. They really haven't been able to do everything they want on defense because week in week out, there's either, you know, three guys out or now one guy came in, but this guy has started for two weeks in a row. So it's hard for them to get a balance exactly what they want to do. Um, and the other thing is Morgan Burnett. He, he played well the first two weeks, which I wasn't sure if he was going to make this team. Then he was out for then he was out for two. Then they, then he came back last week. He should have played more. But Jermaine Whitehead had just had the game of his life against Baltimore, so Whitehead played more. But then Whitehead referred back to the player he had been his entire life. But you didn't get enough reps to Morgan Burnett. The problem now is they're dealing with a lot of players on defense that they would like to get involved. They need to narrow that number down and just go with who's playing well right now. And those need to, those need to be the guys that are on the field. That can be a recipe for disaster when you've got a secondary that's in flux like that. If they're still dealing with a lot of those issues going into this game, uh, because I just mentioned how Russell Wilson can extend plays and how good the Seahawks receivers are at changing up their routes, making adjustments to get open when he does scramble and get outside the pocket or steps up in the pocket. Uh, The Seahawks receivers are as good as any group at doing that. And they've also got a lot of explosive athletes on the outside. I, 
I think if the Browns are shorthanded on the outside, you're going to see, and this is still a very run-oriented offense, but I think Brian Schottenheimer has made some strides as a play caller, and I think he's going to immediately notice, okay, we got backup corners going against Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Metcalf has been able to take the top off the defense several times already in his rookie season. I view this as a game that they could potentially take advantage of that, and especially if the play gets extended. How many times do you see Wilson end up throwing a 40- or 50-yard bomb on a play that lasts seven or eight seconds because he somehow gets away from pressure and buys himself time, and he's so good at throwing on the run and off-platform they he finds guys downfield? I view this as a game. If those guys aren't able to get open, which I think they can if they're playing against backup corners still very early in the week, we don't know what the injury report's going to look like. But if they're playing against those backups and it's a secondary that's just been playing musical chairs, uh, that does not necessarily bode well against the Seahawks receivers, who quite frankly, I feel like they've gotten a little bit uh, I feel like they haven't gotten quite enough love to this point with all the success Russell Wilson's having and everybody saying, but he doesn't have anybody to throw to. Uh, yeah, but DK Metcalf's a pretty darn good rookie. Tyler Lockett is an elite receiver that's just playing in an offense that doesn't throw it as much. If he played for other teams, he'd be putting up 1,200, 1,300 yards receiving easy. And he's been dynamic. And Will Disley's been one of the best receiving tight ends yep. in football. So I, I think the weapons they've gotten, some may argue it's all on Russell Wilson, but I mean, those guys have exceeded expectations, and they get a couple other receivers that are capable of making plays too. David Moore is a guy that just came back from injury a few weeks ago. He scored his first touchdown of the season. He can make a lot of things happen with the football in his hands after the catch. I expect the Seahawks to take advantage of that a little bit more here in the near future. Uh, they've got some weapons. Jerron Brown's a guy that can come up with some big plays. So uh, I look at that secondary for Cleveland right now if they're at full strength then obviously a lot of talent Denzel Ward is a really good young corner uh, but if they're banged up back there and they're missing a bunch of guys that has to be part of the game plan for the Seahawks to to attack them and not even necessarily vertically but you've got to be able to attack those corners and that's where being aggressive with the passing game early really comes into play and then you can get that run game going with Chris Carson Rashad Penny maybe CJ Procites gets a few carries in this game as well they've certainly got the horses back there but this looks to me like a game where pass to run rather than vice versa against this Browns defense and that also helps uh, you know that quick passing game you can take Miles Garrett out of the equation that's really the biggest issue can you get those pass rushers to be mitigated when we come back we are going to be looking at a few keys to this football game Uh, what do the Browns need to do to beat the Seahawks what do the Seahawks need to do to win their third straight game and of course we're going to dish out our predictions you're listening to Crossover Wednesday here on the Locked On Podcast Network Welcome back to Crossover Wednesday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks, and I'm joined by Jeff Lloyd of Locked On Browns. First two quarters, we've broken down several specific matchups on the offensive and defensive side of the football for both teams. Now it's time to take a step back a little bit here, Jeff, and discuss a few keys to winning this football game for the Cleveland Browns and for the Seattle Seahawks and of course dishing out our predictions to close out the show. What are a few things that you think absolutely must happen for the Cleveland Browns to bounce back from Monday night's loss and defeat the incoming 4-1 Seahawks at home? Uh, For me, you know, and this is, you know, again, I have no way of knowing this at the time I record it. Um, Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams. Um, Greedy Williams has a history with DK Metcalf. Um, he's played him pretty well in college. Denzel Ward, this would be the guy to answer Lockett. Um, we have two other corners similar to Greedy in Terrence Mitchell and TJ Carey. Um, if they want to bang a little bit, slow DK off the line, you can do that approach. 
we, without Denzel Ward, I do not know how you handle Lockett. So, I mean, even if I could get one out of two, I'm hoping it would be at least Denzel Ward. That would be the key one there. Offensively, it'd be nice to have Rashard Higgins back. But either way, it's got to get to a combination early of Jarvis, Nick Chubb, Odell. Um, they've been throwing the ball to Demetrius Harris, who they signed as a resume of a blocking tight end. I don't know why they're throwing him the football. I don't know why they're giving him red zone opportunities. Antonio Callaway, gone for a month on suspension. He comes back, uh, first play of the game, you throw it to him. And a huge opportunity where he played like dog crap Monday night. You're down 14-3. You got a chance to make it 14-10 with under two minutes to go in the half. You throw it to Antonio Callaway, the guy who's been out for a month. Stick with what I mean. There's a reason Jarvis makes this money. There's a reason Odell makes this money. There's a reason Nick Chubb is most likely going to make this money. If you're going to lose, lose going with your best guys. Don't you? If the other guy is wide open because you put three on Odell, that's one thing. But throwing the ball to Demetrius Harris on second and goal from the seven, I don't even know why he's on the field. Ricky Seals Jones, who they got on Labor Day weekend cutdowns is currently their best receiving tight end, which they use very well against Baltimore. Not much of a sign of them on Monday night. It's it's mind-numbingly bad that they're actually calling plays for their lesser players. They need to just stick with the stars for now, and then when that starts to get covered because they produce like they should, then start blending in the rest. I like that that point was made there because you want to go with your star players. Obviously, the role guys are going to have their opportunities, but when if your feature of your offense is a guy that has been out suspended for four weeks, and you've got if mm-hmm. they didn't have their star players, then you could understand it. If it was one of those desperation issues where Odell Beckham Jr. is banged up, Jarvis Landry is banged up, we we just don't have anybody else, and we know Callaway has upside, then that's understandable. But in a game where you have both those guys, Landry and Beckham, on the field, uh, that's a little bit different story. And that's not to say Callaway can't get things figured out because we, we've seen that he's capable. Maybe this week he'll be a bigger factor and more important uh, and actually make some plays second game back from a suspension. But certainly wonder what the Browns are doing there schematically, You know, getting the football to their playmakers. Wonder how that's going to switch up coming off this loss Monday night. To me, obviously quick starts are always big in the NFL. You always want to start off fast. Doesn't always happen. But to me, this seems like an especially important game for the Seahawks to get off to a quick start, not just because it's on the road in a venue that they have played horribly the last couple of times they've been in Cleveland. Granted, Russell Wilson was not on the team yet the last time they played in Cleveland. They they had clipboard Jesus, Charlie Whitehurst, playing quarterback in that game. <laughs> and uh, that was one of the toughest football games that I've ever watched at any level. But anyway, I digress. Uh, they're going to Cleveland. It hasn't necessarily been easy for them playing there. Get off to a quick start, and especially since the Browns are coming off a game where the 49ers battered them in every way possible. If you come out and you can put 7, 10, 14 quick points on the board early, uh, the Browns are going to start thinking about some things, and it, it's it's going to get ugly potentially. If you let the Browns hang around early and they get some confidence, you know the talent is there on both sides of the ball, then you're going to be in for a dogfight in the dog pound. So I think a quick start on the road, and I talked about this earlier, I think you actually use the passing game to get that quick start going. Maybe it's the quick strike game rather than the deep ball. But get that passing game going. Get the football into Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Will Disley's hands. Maybe the running back, Chris Carson, has been a much bigger part of the receiving game this year. 
get the ball into their hands as receivers and let them go to work, wear down the Browns, get some quick points, and I think that this game can be yours. Uh, mitigating pressure on Miles Garrett from Miles Garrett and Vernon to me is also a big deal. That's why emphasis to me is on the quick passing game. Those two guys can wreak havoc getting back there. Russell Wilson knows how to evade pressure, but at the same time, if Miles Garrett's bearing down on him, he's going to have a tough time getting out of that. So that again is going to lean on the run game, the quick pass game. I would expect you quick pass to open up the run in this game, then get Chris Carson going, let him go to work against a defense that's coming off a rough night defending the run. They are at home, like you said, maybe that helps their run defense, but this is the Seahawks' bread and butter. They're still going to be running the football quite a bit in this game. Defensively, I could talk about turnovers. That's big every single game. To me, it comes down to pass pressure. Can you get to Baker Mayfield early and often? Are you able to get back there with your front four without blitzing? To me, they're going to need those linebackers, corners back there defending and pass coverage, and they can't afford to blitz too much in this game. Uh, That, to me, is something Baker Mayfield can actually take advantage of. If that front four is able to get home, something the 49ers had a lot of success with on Monday night, Clowney, Anza, and company get back there, and you can force Baker Mayfield into uh, making some throws that he probably shouldn't, or you can get some sacks, then really take the Browns' offense out of any rhythm. And again, that's another quick start. If you can get a couple quick three and outs or really short drives out of the Browns' offense, uh, it's going to start getting into Cleveland's head a little bit like, uh uh-oh, here we go again. Um, Freddie Kitchens, if you win the coin toss, just defer to the second half. You don't take the ball. It's... It's one of the best things they have going right now is their specialists. Austin Slaber kicks off and he gets this ball that lands anywhere between the goal line and about the one and a half yard line, forcing guys into returns. Um, the Scottish hammer has been fantastic. Gillian is a punter, um, but just be go with the smart approach. Uh, defer to the second half. There's a reason the team that wins the toss usually does that 95% of the time. Looking at predictions for this game, we're already getting really close to kickoff less than five days away from that Week 6 matchup in Cleveland. What do you think is going to unfold? Do the Browns get a bounce-back victory, or are they going to fall to 2-4, and four, the inevitable hole that you wanted to avoid this year in Cleveland and really thought this team was going to avoid? What happens? How does this play out? Uh, I think they're due for a victory. Um, I think the bye week, the incentive there, the t- fact that they're going to be able to get, sit down, regroup for a little bit before going to New England, which is you know the litmus test for any AFC team. Do I feel a lot better about it if you have a Denzel Ward and a Greedy Williams, or at least Denzel Ward, like I mentioned? Yeah, I'll feel a lot more better about it. I, I think they're against this defense. You can put points up against them, and like we had talked about, you said maybe the pass, you know, uh, the pass protection is causing you concerns. There's been games where this Browns D line has just been utterly dominant. Um, yes, it's a little bit more difficult to do because Russell Williams, Russell Wilson, by no means is a statue. But I feel like they can get enough going on offense with Nick Chubb, with Odell Beckham, who really needs a big game. Um, He's been quiet. He's been a good soldier. But, you know, the fire is burning within him, uh, you know, that he wants to show something. Uh, So, uh, yeah, I'm going to say Browns 27-20. I think Freddie's going to go with a pretty much simplified game plan, realize he's got to feature the best that he's got, And if they do that and they block better, they should be a lot better off on Monday. I think this is going to be a really close game up till the the very end of the football game. I think it's going to be tight throughout. I expect the Browns are going to be angry coming off that game. Seattle, on the same standpoint, they've come off this mini-buy here. 
gotten rusted up a little bit. Sometimes that can actually be a little bit of an issue for teams, but I think Seattle needed that, especially after a tough game on Thursday night against the Rams. So I think they're going to come in well-rested, and they're going to be ready to play. They better be, because the Browns, to me, again, a very talented team on both sides of the ball. They've had a few injuries, but this is a team that still has a lot of talent. They are capable any given Sunday of coming out and putting up 30-plus points on the board. So I'm looking at this as an opportunity the Browns Definitely could put some points on the board. This is a Seahawks defense that has the players, if everything comes together, to be a top 10, top 15 unit, but they are not there yet. And until they realize their potential, they're going to be a team that's vulnerable to giving up some points. They've given up quite a bit of yardage in several of their games, and they have found ways to get stops, key stops, and hold teams to third downs, get a few turnovers when they needed them. Uh, but this is not by any means an elite defense. That being said, I still I look at that secondary that the Browns have right now. If they get one of their corners back, that certainly helps. If they get both of them back, that's a huge deal. Uh, we don't know where that's going, but I'm going to base right now that maybe they get one of those guys back. I still think the Seahawks have an advantage being able to eventually get a few explosive pass plays downfield with the guys they've got in Lockett, Metcalf. Maybe David Moore gets an explosive play downfield. I think Will Disley is a matchup nightmare for any team. He's that big body tight end that can inline block and also really soft hands, having a great season. He's another guy the Browns are going to have to account for. I think Seattle is going to have to really scrap it out to win this game. It could go either way, but I'm going to say that it ends up being a late touchdown that makes it look like maybe it wasn't quite as close as it was, but I'm going to go Seahawks 30, Browns 20 in a game that's really, really close throughout a late touchdown maybe adds a little bit more separation. I just think as good as Russell Wilson's playing right now, I just I don't think he's going to be denied. I have a feeling it's going to be a game that they're in the ropes and he's going to find a way to pull it out. But that being said, Cleveland always a tough place to play. Those that think this is going to be a cakewalk because of what happened to the Browns Monday night, uh, I would not be anticipating that again. I, I think this team's going to be ready to play. So should be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward for the bye week. I think this team could use some rest, um, especially you know uh, with the guys they've had that have been out. Um, if they're not able to go Sunday, you expect that extra week should hopefully get them right and ready to go to New England. You don't want to be two and four. Um, and the other thing is this fan base is, as much as they've expected this year, the wins, they're extremely high. The losses, they're not. So this would then be two in a row. Over three week period, headed to New England. This is this is a big one. Um, even though that second half of the schedule is pretty much cream cheese for the Cleveland Browns, this is a big one here as far as getting it three and three going into the bye and facing New England. And it's also a big game for the Seahawks. I mean, I know they're four and one, but San Francisco's still undefeated, so the Seahawks got to keep pace with them. The Rams are at three and two. It's not like they're out of the race here early. So every game matters in the NFC West right now. Really tough division for at least the top three teams. And I even think the Cardinals by the second half could be a team that you don't necessarily want to play against as they continue to get their offense rolling with a rookie quarterback. So just a tough division. You need every win you can get. So it's a big game for both teams, maybe for different reasons, but every game's big in the NFL, especially big for both these teams going in this week. Thanks, Jeff, for joining me here on our Crossover Wednesday show. It's been a blast. Uh, yeah, always a pleasure. It's always good to uh, sit down and actually, you know, I mean, it's not like, you know, as busy as all are, it's not like we have a chance to sit down and actually know each and every other guy who hosts the show here. So this is always a good way for, you know, to branch out a little bit and, you know, obviously, you know, talk to some colleagues, so to speak. 
Make sure to check out Locked On Browns. You can find him on Twitter. Just search Locked On Browns. Make sure to check out the show. Do an excellent job. And, of course, make sure to check us out, Locked underscore Seahawks on Twitter. And you can visit our website, LockedOnSeahawks.com. Subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, whatever your podcast platform is. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Thanks for listening.